Shalom. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Emmaus Road Fellowship, where we encounter Yeshua in the scriptures. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org, where you'll find additional teachings and information on visiting us in Kingwood, Texas. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving to support Emmaus Road's mission of spreading the good news of the kingdom. May God grant you shalom in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. This morning, as as I was uh, preparing and thinking about what we would talk about today, I always have in my back pocket the ability to talk about the history and the comparison between the two, but I really don't want to do that on Shavuot morning. Instead, what I want to do is say, what does the Lord have to say? You know, because we can study and we can learn history at any point in time, but what is the Lord saying now, and what is the message that He has for us today? And, you know, sometimes things come together in bits and pieces, and then you suddenly realize, oh, that's what, that's what the message is. And what I feel like the message is today is, what are we positioning ourselves for? And then as I was standing here thinking about that, I'm like, so positioning ourselves for, that's kind of what we're preparing for. I'm like, well, that's exactly what our message was last week and what's going to be tomorrow about preparing for His coming. But within the preparing for His coming, it's what are we positioning ourselves for? If we look back to what happened at Sinai, God told Moses, go and tell the people to prepare themselves for the next few days. On the third day, I'm going to come down on the mountain. And then with Yeshua, we have something similar taking place. If we were to look at Luke 24... Verses 45 through 49. She was speaking with the disciples after he had arisen, and he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Okay, so he tells them that they are going to receive power from on high, but they are to stay in the city and wait for this to come. Now he gets a little bit more explicit in the book of Acts when he's he's speaking to them. Let me jump over there real quick. So at the beginning of the book of Acts, in Acts 1, verse 5, Yeshua says, John baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the, which, the, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And um, I can't remember if it was here or if it was just read. Or he said, Okay, stay in Jerusalem. Wait until you see this promise come upon you. And so then we know that Yeshua ascended there on that 40th day, and it was 10 days later, the day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit came and filled the disciples. And from 
from what Yeshua said, he, he said that this message of the kingdom is going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the nations. That it was going to spread out from, it was going to radiate from that point and it was going to spread out until it covered the whole earth. And if you were one of the apostles, you might sit and ask, well, how is that going to be? How are we going to make that happen? There's not many of us here, but, but yet we're going to take the message and it's going to multiply, it's going to spread throughout the earth. And I think with, with what was happening there and even with what happens to us today is that God says, you may not be able to see how it's going to work out, but you don't have to figure all of that out. Instead, you have to take what I've given you today and walk in that. You're going to walk it out rather than you're going to figure it out. And then as God goes forward and he begins to work and he begins to move, then you're going to see his provision and his plan go forth. And we see in the scriptures this being played out in Acts 2. You have the good news coming in Jerusalem. And then in Acts 8, you have the Samaritans receiving the good news. And then in Acts 10, you see it going to the nations with Cornelius. And so you're beginning to see this progression taking place. And, and this, as it's progressing and moving forward, even going into Acts 10, there's a fulfillment that's taking place of what the scriptures say in Isaiah 49. In, 49, in Isaiah 49, 5 and 6, Now says the Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him in order that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. He says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations, so that my salvation might be reach the end of the earth. So here he is talking to the, come, the, the Messiah who was to come and saying, It's too small of a thing that you should just redeem my people Israel, but I will make you a redemption to the farthest ends of the earth. So we're seeing that come to pass. And as we continue on in Isaiah 49, we're seeing God go before his anointed one to create a clear path. In verse 8 and continuing, thus says the Lord, in a favorable time I have answered you. In a day of salvation I have helped you and I will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people to restore the land and make them inherit the desolate heritages. Okay, to restore, so here are two components. I will keep you, I will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people to restore the land and to make them inherit the desolate heritages. Those two components, if you think back to what we talked about last week, okay, with the two components of Jubilee is that the, the people who've been enslaved are returned to their family and then the land that has lost its rightful owners have the owners restored back to it. So the inheritance is restored and the families are restored. And so here you have the covenant people brought together through Yeshua and then the land restored so that they would inherit the desolate heritages. There's a restoration on both of those fronts, the people and the land. We're going to talk more about that tomorrow. But he says, saying to those who are bound, go forth. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. Along the roads they will feed, and their pasture will be on all bare heights. 
They will not hunger or thirst, neither will the scorching sun, heat or sun strike them down. For he who has compassion on them will lead them and will guide them to springs of water. And I will make all my mountains a road and my highways will be raised up. What does that sound like? That sounds like John the Baptist going forward to prepare the way of the Lord. Every mountain be made low and every valley be lifted up so the word of the Lord can go forth. He says, Behold, these things shall come from afar, and lo, these things will come from the north and from the west and from the land of Sinim. Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice O earth. Break forth in joyful shouting, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. Right, so we're seeing the rest of the promised restoration. He's saying it will come forth, even though there's mountains and there's valleys. I'm going to make the way. And one of the things that kept being repeated as we're reading, even in Acts and and so forth, and in, in, in Luke, was talking about having this forgiveness of sin. You know, especially with regard to being immersed in the Spirit, you have forgiveness of sin. And we're going to talk about, I believe we're going to talk some about that tomorrow. Because the forgiveness of sin, every time you encounter it here in the Scriptures, it's all using this one word for forgiveness in the Greek. I can't remember what the word is at the moment. But we'll talk about that word tomorrow. But the word, the word that's most commonly used for forgiveness in the Scriptures is not the word that is used whenever it says forgiveness of sin. Interestingly enough. The forgiveness of sin that is used, that the word that is used for forgiveness of sin is actually the same word. Okay, so well, okay, you have to take from the Greek back to the Hebrew. So if you say, you have the Hebrew Bible and you have a Hebrew word, then you have the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. Okay, so you can take, well, what Hebrew word corresponds to which Greek word? And now how has that Greek word been reused and applied? in the New Testament and throughout the rest of Scripture, well, the Hebrew word for proclaim liberty or freedom to those who have been enslaved, translate that into Greek and now use it in the New Testament. It's that word used for forgiveness of sin. And that word, the freedom, the freedom proclaimed to the captives is deliverance from captivity. That is the most literal translation, deliverance of captivity. So when he says you'll receive forgiveness of sins, he's saying you will receive deliverance from the captivity of sin. That is, in my mind, well, it's not wholly different, but it's at a whole different level from just forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin, as it's translated in this context, is like for sin wiped out as though it never happened. Well, that's, that's one component of being delivered from captivity of sin, but it's not the full story. The, the captivity of sin, in one way, can be thought of the wages of sin is death. Okay, so now you're freed from those wages. Okay, so that's the forgiveness of sin. But if you're delivered from the captivity of sin, then you are no longer in servitude to sin. Sin is no longer master over you. You've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Okay, that is... So every time you read that, you'll receive forgiveness of sin... No, you need to read it. You will receive deliverance from the captivity of sin. You've been freed in your flesh 
to walk in newness of life, and you've been delivered from mastery of sin into mastery of Yeshua, mastery of the righteous king, so that you can live as slaves to righteousness, no longer slaves to sin. It's a whole new dimension of what the jubilee really is. The jubilee comes and it says, you, you've been a captive, you've been enslaved, you're set free, and you're ready to go back to your true family. You've been estranged from your land, no longer. You're going back to your rightful inheritance. The more I'm... This year has been uh, a lot of revelation with regard to Shavuot and how really Shavuot is a facet of the Jubilee. Okay, but the Jubilee, you're going to find it throughout all the appointed times. I believe. I don't have the whole proof of that yet. But the revelation that was happening yesterday became so strong, and I was just getting blown away so much I had to stop and just call heaven and be like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> because there was so much like this unfolding and, and just seeing how much God is moving with the aspect of jubilee and the restoration of all things and how that's the part of it is a people being brought as a family and then the people being brought into their inheritance which is living under the righteous reign of the true God in the land with them okay and so within this with okay so you've got Shavuot within Jubilee but you you have this component taking place where God's saying get ready get ready he says get ready I'm coming down on Mount Sinai get ready the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you in power in Jerusalem and he's saying get ready because Yeshua is coming back so what are you doing to prepare how are you positioning yourself to receive what he's ready to pour out. Are we aligning ourselves with the world and all the constructs of the world so that we receive the bounty of the world? Or are we aligning ourselves with what God is saying to ready ourselves for? And you know, what does that look like for each of us? Each of us, it may look a little bit different, but how are we listening to what God is saying for us to do to position ourselves for what he's going to pour out? Because he's going to pour out, and the question is, are you going to receive it? So how are you positioning yourselves now for that? And this morning I was talking to Leslie and she brought up Deuteronomy 11. I think it's worthwhile going to Deuteronomy 11 as, as part of this. Deuteronomy 11. Okay, Deuteronomy 11 opens up starting about the rewards of obedience and how Moses is reminding the children of Israel how they've seen the faithfulness of God in the wilderness and how he has been providing for them and caring for them in, in the midst of all that they've walked through. And starting in verse 8, he says, You shall therefore keep every commandment which I am commanding you today, so that you may be strong and go in and possess the land into which you are about to cross to possess it, so that you may prolong your days on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, and to their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land into which you are entering to possess it is not like the land of Egypt from which you came, where you used to sow your seed and water it with your foot like a vegetable garden. But the land into which you were about to cross to possess it, a land of hills and valleys, drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. 
The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning, even to the end of the year. And it shall come about, if you listen obediently to my commandments, which I am commanding you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul, that he will give the rain for your land in its season, the early and the late rain, that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil, and you will give grass in your fields for your cattle, and you shall eat and be satisfied. There's God's promise of provision for those who seek Him with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul. And think about where God's calling you to be. Where He's calling you to be is in a place where He's going to pour out the rain. There may be many places you could be. But is that the place where God has positioned you, where he's going to pour out the rain and the blessing? And so the thing is to get in alignment with him, to seek his face and to say, okay, Lord, what do you have? What are you doing? You know, that, that goes for us individually. It goes for us as a community. Last year, about this time, we were getting a, a renewed vision for Emmaus Road and community and saying, what does community really look like? How do we make this to where we live in a culture of honor? in relationship and bringing righteousness into every dimension of our being in our homes in us and in our community and what is that going to look like in the days ahead and how do we set out to make that about now here we are we're a year later and we're still on that path of figuring out what is this going to look like how is it going to play out and in many ways we may look at what the plan of the Lord is and say wow this is way too complicated we can't figure this out and in the flesh, yeah, you know what? It's not something you can figure out. It's something you have to walk out. Okay? And so, there's so many dimensions and moving parts in that. But God has a plan and a purpose for Emmaus Road, for the families in Emmaus Road and the individuals within those families. And so, within, you know, within this season of renewal, within this season of coming and saying, okay, Lord, it's the time of your increase. What are you increasing us into? What are you propelling us into? And how do we position ourselves to walk in that? Trusting that God will send the rain as he said he would send the rain and bring provision in all of these endeavors that we're pursuing for his great name. So may we position ourselves to receive and to hear from heaven, to know his will, and to go forward in it in this coming year. Amen. Do you might have anything that you wanted to share before we pray? Also, seven years ago, this Shavuot, we received the commissioning to start in the Road. So this is our seven-year anniversary of sorts right now. Yeah, it is. That's right. So, yeah, the completion of our first week of years. Okay. Yeah. All right, so Father, we, we bless you and we thank you for this time of Shavuot. We thank you for the Jubilee. We thank you, Lord, that you are working out restoration. Would help us to position ourselves to, to partner with you, to receive from you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this beautiful day that we can celebrate. We thank you for your provision of the food, and we bless you, Father, as the one who's given us all that we need. 
We pray your blessings over us as we continue our fellowship with one another. We give you praise in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this message, please consider sharing it with a friend or family member and help us out by giving a review on iTunes or other podcast platform. Check out our website at walkingemmausroad.org for additional teachings and information about visiting Emmaus Road in Kingwood, Texas. Thank you.